rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of the Cosmic Force. On tonight's episode, we are going back to War of the Bounty Hunter one final time to discuss the trade paperback collection of the one-shots. We'll discuss the highlights of each title, which was our favorite, and what impact these titles had on the whole crossover event. But first, let's go ahead and say hi to everybody else tonight, and we'll start where we always do with Emma. And, and Emma, it's, it's, it's a sad time for you and I, you more so than me. But uh, but yeah, it's a sad time for, for for us sports fans. It is very sad. Hello, everybody. Um, my boy Tom Brady uh, has announced he's retiring, which is very sad for me. Um, for those of us who are listening to us and only know my voice, I am very young. In fact, uh, the first year that Tom Brady played in the NFL was the year I was born, and uh, so I've never known the NFL without him. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be weird. So. Um, my Tom Brady jersey's at home. I'm at school right now, so I figured I'd at least rock my Patriots hat to honor him. So, uh, yeah, going to miss TB12. So that was sad, but the awesome Star Wars day today totally balanced it out. Um, it's like a banner day in Star Wars today, yeah. like one of the best days we've had in a long time. So I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now, for if, sure. <laughs> if there's anything that's going to get us over this tragedy, myself as a Bucks fan, so I so I have adopted Tom right. uh, as, as my, my quarterback, uh, it's, it's this kind of Star Wars week. So, yeah, Absolutely. definitely. So, uh, Caleb, I, I, I don't think you're as into the, to, to the sports world as the rest of us, but uh, we can talk about Star Wars and how great of a week it's exactly. been. Exactly. It's been a really good week. And I'll just say... Atlanta still remembers. <laughs> Twenty-eight to three. We, we still remember that. So no, it's. I'm not going to rub any salt into wounds. Not like you could for that. For like somewhat, I, I saw it best described as if there was a Mount Rushmore sports. Like it'd be a shame not to put him on there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and if only because while he elicits sadness out of people like Emma and myself, Jacob, can you can you? Do what you were doing behind the scenes just now when I was talking about him. Oh, I was I was having a party. <laughs> I I I grew up in Indiana and grew up as a Colts fan. You know, mm. Emma had Tom Brady as the quarterback of her childhood, and mine was Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning was great until he had to play Tom Brady in the playoffs. Uh, so yes, uh, it is a very happy day for for all of us. The, the Colts like official Twitter account like posted him like a. A meme of SpongeBob where Squidward like shakes his hand and then like says like I'm sorry you're leaving and goes and like parties in his house <laughs> and that's like that's really encompassing of how all this feel yeah. across the NFL. Okander's yeah, in the chat. He's from Colorado, so he's probably a Broncos fan, uh, oh, which yeah. means also a, a Peyton Manning uh, brethren. So yes, uh, screw Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, you know, en enjoy your retirement. Enjoy your crypto ads and your ads with Gronk about T-Mobile. I don't even know. Whatever. Just get, I, I'm I'm ready to move on. If, if if we're missing anything, that's the that you. I'm glad you touched on that. What we're actually missing is a great retirement T-Mobile commercial next year about what oh, yeah. what was misheard uh, uh, during mm -hmm. during when you don't have uh, have have a good signal. So that's that is the it, biggest it, tragedy of of all this whole situation. It's gonna be Brady on one end and then Schefter on the other <laughs> reporting his retirement like two days early. 
Yes. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We do not normally talk about sports this much. That's because we are a Star Wars mm. comics <laughs> Caleb's like, I doubt that. <laughs> We're going to kick off Caleb and bring on Eric, and it's just going to be the sports podcast. Well, normally, exactly. we are a Star Wars comics podcast that broadcasts live right here on YouTube.com slash Utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. If you can't join us live, that's okay. We are also on all of your podcasting favorite podcasting platforms so be sure to check us out there as well we're also part of the utini podcast network of nearly a dozen shows and a discord channel at utini.com discord with more than 1,000 members with dozens of channels to choose from if you like what you see and you want to say thanks then head over to our patreon channel at patreon.com utini where for as little as five dollars a month you can gain exclusive access to the entire utini podcast network of shows as well as exclusive merch and community involvement activities and shout outs, which is something that we're actually doing new this week. We do want to recognize our new patrons this week and, by, and shouting them out to say thank you for their support. So, Emma, I believe you've got a list of all of our new patrons for the week. That's right. Yeah, we've had some incredible support. So I want to say thank you to our new monthly patrons, Nathan Roberts, Stephanie Mack and uh, Jacob uh, Sudam, I hope I pronounced that right. I'm so sorry. Uh, and our new annual patrons, uh, Brandon Medley and Adam. So thank you all so much for your amazing support. It's your support that makes us be able to do this show and Utini be able to do many other projects. So thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you from all of us. All right, Jacob, we've got our weekly pull list and we've got a, a, a very packed week this week. What do we have in, at our local comic stores? We do. We have a lot of exciting issues this week. We have Crimson Rain number two, uh, which I don't know about you guys. It felt for me like this has it's been like a a month and a half since we've seen Crimson Rain. It like feels two. like it's been a long time. It has. Yeah, but yeah, Crimson Rain number two, The Assassins, uh, written by Charles Soule, pencils by Stephen Cummings. Uh, the cover is by Lionel Francis Yu. The inker is Victor Olazaba. The colorist is Guru EFX, and the letterer is Travis Lanham. Uh, we also have Halcyon Legacy, uh, which is the first issue in a uh, five-issue miniseries, uh, reminiscent of Galaxy's Edge, if anyone's read that. It even has the same creative team of Ethan Sachs, Will Sliney. The uh, cover is from E.M. Gist. Uh, the colorist is Rochelle Rosenberg, and the letterer is Joe Sabino. And then we have High Republic number 14, The Edge of Destruction, written by Kevin Scott, uh, pencils by Ario Anandito. The cover is by Phil Noto, inker is Mark Morales, uh, the colorist is Carlos Lopez, and the letterer is Ariana Meyer. Uh, so, as always, you can get the links for those in the YouTube description. I would say, I don't know about you guys, I would say, or, well, Caleb can't really say much, but uh, the, I, this would be the first High Republic issue I would wait till after I read Fallen Star, probably. It's, it's like running that line where mm. it's, I mean they're they're gonna like you know they're gonna intermingle a little bit but i think this is kind of where i would stop if you haven't finished that book yet so so to clarify think? before you read this episode because before you read my this, local yeah. comic store didn't have their their shipment got shipped got sent to orlando so i didn't i don't have this week's this week's issues yet so yeah um sure i said i will say you know don't sleep on the halcyon legacy even though That's it right. is it's fun you could almost say it's it's a, it's an extended ad for it to what <laughs> four thousand dollar vacation Something package like I, I, th I think you're underselling it honestly it depends <laughs> on how many it depends on how many people are there it can run upwards of five thousand so thank you very much a, a, a comics a comic designed to sell you a five thousand dollar vacation package in florida it's good it's like really good 
like really really good I, and as w- it has a really wild legends pull from this 1977 uh, ca- uh star wars comic series they brought it back a character that i had like i saw him like wait i only re- remember this because we read some 77 comics earlier last year i was like there's no way went immediately to wikipedia and like they already updated him like sure enough they brought this character back like it's the wildest thing yeah i um so all of the comics that came out today were absolutely amazing. I have to shout out Halcyon Legacy for bringing in uh, Babu Frick's species. I can't. I think it's like mm-hmm. an Anzellan or something like that. I could be totally wrong, but um, yeah, that was like absolutely. I, I like gasped when I saw that. I was. I loved it. Um, and he like sat on the little g- dude's shoulder. It was so funny. Um, but yeah, uh, High Republic uh, number fourteen, really solid stuff. It tied in uh, with the higher. Uh, the higher public the fallen star very well mm-hmm. um and, and honestly trail of shadows has been doing a great job uh tying into the fallen star as well so yeah i'm definitely feeling like uh phase one is is wrapping up coming to a close and it's a little sad but there's a lot of loose ends here that i'm excited to keep on exploring hopefully later on so jacob we got a good question in the chat from andrew is is halcyon a one shot mm-hmm. or is it a part of a miniseries so it's a five issue miniseries. It's if you've read, yeah, I mentioned it in the weekly poll a little bit. But if you've read the Galaxy's Edge miniseries, it's very similar to that. It where basically, it, or it's kind of similar to some of the uh, the Vader's Castle comics, where there's mm. like an overarching story across the five issues, but then there will be a character basically like I'm going to tell you a story, and it's going then going to do like a single like one issue self contained story somewhere along the timeline relating to the location. So for this, it's the starship. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be somewhere like that. The, this issue was a High Republic story they tell, uh, but like the main overarching story across all five issues takes place during the uh, like era of the First Order. So, All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, be sure to check out your local comic stores or your digital comic places to, to get those, uh, th- those added to your, your collection. But for now, we are going to go into what we're loving. And Caleb, I believe you have a community submission of the week. Absolutely. This one came from our very one and only uh, submitter, Blind Fates. Uh, this one, he picked a really good one. This is from the Vader 2020 series, issue 15. Uh, this features um, uh, Uchi of Bastoon being showing off, like, I think really for the first time in the comics, like, really how competent of a warrior he is as he's doing backflips, shooting up a whole bunch of guards, you know, trying to, you know, doing some, like, Deadpool-esque quipping throughout the sword thing, is that it was, like, I was kind of indifferent on Ochi for a while, but I think this issue made me realize, okay, he's actually good at his job and actually a lot of fun to be around. The pencils were by Raphael Yinko and the colors were by Jason Keith. So overall, an amazing pick. Um, I think I was when I first saw him like this is the one that we should go for. So really, really solid option here. Yeah, Uchi of Bastoon is has become a favorite character of mine uh, to 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 follow in the comics. So uh, to really see him him get get introduced and and see what what they've done with him, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy I enjoy his character and and to. to how he was introduced to us in in Rise of Skywalker to, to see what he's what he's doing now. It's it's been awesome. But all right, now let's go ahead and check in with what we're reading, and and we're gonna we we, we I've kind of forced us into a regular segment here because uh, Caleb is trying to catch up on the High Republic because he's 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 been a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to check in with him real quick to see exactly how far we've gotten on on catching up with the High Republic. 
have like an hour and a half left in the audiobook of uh Rising, rising Storm? Uh, out of the shadows. Rising, out of, rising, uh, storm, rising Storm. Rising okay. Storm. So I'm almost done with that one. I'll probably finish it off a little bit later this week. And then I realized I still have uh, like a month, literally until the next, until the, um, until the next, uh, you know, I Have a Storm comic comes out. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit of time. So I might go back and go, uh, you know, go through and read the uh, middle grade school novel. Yeah, you have to read Mission to Disaster. Me. Mission to Disaster. So I'll probably be able to squeeze that in real quick and then do Fallen Star. All right. Okay. And then and then I'll probably have to move on to what's the book that just came out this week? Mission. Uh, or sorry, uh, Midnight Horizon. That is a, Midnight Horizon. I'll probably have to read that one. That is an excellent segue there, Caleb, because Jacob has been reading Midnight Horizon, and 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 as the person who was most called up, uh, uh, one of the two people, because well, I would say Emma's yeah. Emma's usually usually caught up uh, as well. Usually, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I I literally cannot get farther <laughs> caught up than Emma, so <laughs> that would be illegal. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I started reading Midnight Horizon that came out yesterday. Very exciting. I am. Uh, I want to say like 50-ish pages in. It's been a fun read. Um, I was talking with Eric a little bit last night where I'm like, this is like, you know, I haven't read a YA book in a while. I think Out of the Shadows was probably my last one. And it's very nice because even though Midnight Horizon is like 500 pages long, the pages like you burn through the pages insanely quickly. So, you know, I was reading for like, I don't know, maybe like an hour, a little bit over last night. And yeah, it, uh, the story just flies by. For our comic readers out here, which I know we have many, uh, if you are a fan of High Republic Adventures, this is a pretty good continuation of that story uh, with a lot of our favorite characters. So I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I uh, I need to start that. It has been really busy with school. Um, but, you know, uh, Jacob is now technically a tiny bit ahead of me in the High Republic, which is really oh. weird to say. But, um, but Man, you know what? what? Um, Jacob. <laughs> It's it, it feels a little weird to not be the one that's ahead, um, but that's okay. I will relinquish my title for a little bit here. Um, but I'm supposed to get a snowstorm this weekend, another one. So that is it's the like, perfect yeah, I got one time to... Fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the perfect time to, you know, read a ton of Higher Public. So uh, I'll catch up to you next week, I, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I've got it on my... We'll de- get there eventually. Say, I've got it on my desk. Uh, it's just I'm... I'm about two thirds of the way through Resistance Reborn, and I'm having a blast in that, and all my com- mm. and all my comics. So I'm trying to finish f- finish all that before I before I dive into that. So by the time we by the time we meet again next week, I'll have started it. So, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then when we come back, we are going to talk about the bounty hunter one shots for War of the Bounty War of the Bounty Hunter. So we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and like I said at the top of the show, we are discussing the trade paperback for the War of the Bounty Hunters Companions for all the one-shots. Um, this includes the Jabba the Hutt, uh, Forlom and Zuckus, uh, Bausch, and uh, the IG-88. Uh, the trade paperback came out uh, recently, um, but all of these issues, all, all of the single shots, they, they were kind of distributed throughout the, the, the whole arc of the... The event, uh, and normally we we, we kind of give a rundown of all of the issues, and then we discuss it at the end. But we're kind of gonna we're gonna skip that, and we're just gonna actually talk about each issue and and give a little bit of a rundown, and then talk about it, and then move on to the next one. So uh, I'll go ahead and get started, and uh, with Jabba the Hutt trust issues. This was written by Justina Ireland. Art was by Ibram Robertson and Luca Pizzari, and this was the 
Saint Floppy was released on July 21st, 2021. Uh, and this volume is all about how Jabba learned that Boba Fett had a delay in delivery and sent uh, Dave Alompop to find out what the issue was. Uh, in this issue, we also get a flashback about the first time Deva and Fett worked together and how Deva joined up with Crimson Dawn. Uh, in the present, Deva sells Solo to Crimson Dawn by the end of the issue, who arranges an auction for the smuggler that it, who is currently on ice. And despite being titled Jabba the Hutt, uh, the main character really was Deva throughout the uh, the issue. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and open this up to the rest of the, rest of the team here. I'm going to start with uh, Caleb. And ask, you know, has there been any other characters that have had such a strong introduction as, as she did in this issue? Like, this might sound a little, like, weird or blasphemy, but I don't think ever since, um, we've never been introduced to a character of this caliber since it feels like uh, Dr. Afra back in 2015. I can see that. Came out. Like, when she came out, like, and we saw her character design and we saw what she was doing, it's like, okay, this is an important character who we are making for comics, who's going to be around for a while. Like, this is going to be someone that has legs. And, you know, we've seen characters be introduced in comics before, like Boko the Hutt, um, you know, a couple other ones. But we can't look at them, and we know you're you're going to be kind of relevant to this section here, and then we're going to kill you off at the end of the series. Like, I'm not saying Diva is going to be immortal and be stuck around for a good long time but i think they're establishing her as someone who's going to be a important person for a lot of different things now i'm i, I have the work pulled up and she is a shawnee female bounty hunter have we i, I don't <laughs> recall i'm not i'm not as out of, of of a legends comic reader as 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 some of you guys but i have read a lot of uh legends novels I don't recall a Shawnee species being mm-hmm. mentioned before. So is this a brand no, new species? No, it was a new species. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's um her her character design is very interesting. Oh, like yeah. her hair is kind of like actually feathers, which is really cool and her um uh, the suit that she wears when she goes hunting is kind of like it, it almost like the front of it kind of looks like like reptile scales or something. I don't know. Her her look is very cool. I love it a lot. Like as weird as it sounds like She's changed, like, just in this first issue, this is her, like, debut issue, this first time we see her name, we see her introduced, she changes, like, outfits, like, four yeah. times. Yeah. And, and for, as a comic character's go, that doesn't happen, like, almost ever. Like, you know, Boba Fett, like, it has two boats, helmet on or helmet off. <laughs> but so, like, you know, being able to see her, like, change clothes and have, like, different, like, outfits, like, okay, this character has a lot of different roles they can feel, like, you know, like, when she tries to the seductress in the bar like her hair is very obviously different and when she's uh battle mode it's it's a feathered mohawk and it's great uh there was one part i legit laughed out loud when i was reading this and and it was the payoff to the line that was about a third of the way through when (laughs) boba said oh um the, the the person that they were after uh, was an ex of hers, and and Boba made it threw out a line as, "Oh, I pegged you for uh, the the kind that eats your exes," and and he and she said something like, "Oh, Deveronians are 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 meaty and I, I too chewy, too chewy." And I thought, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's some pretty witty banter." And at the end of the book, she legit eats the guy, and I was like, "Oh, that is yeah. so cool!" Like I legit laughed out loud at that and thought, "Okay." Even if there was no other part of her that I loved, which I did, loved all of her, just that payoff of like, okay, this, this this is a keeper. This this character is awesome. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, she she is a badass in every sense of the word. And I I just I I love it. I mean, she doesn't take any BS from anybody. Um, She can hold her own a fight like it's all the makings of a really amazing character. I mean, she's got the great banter, like you said, that's also very important. Um, and Justina Ireland writes her like to perfection. It's just, it's a really great combo. And I, I hope, I hope we get to see her more. Exactly. Now, one quick thing I want to say is like, they kind of introduced a sort character. And one of the big things that she did to kind of establish herself, like not that we ever get into is too much with star Wars is like in the power rankings. She does beat Boba Fett. Like, you know, she does kind of mm-hmm. get the drop on him and poison him, but she does overpower essentially Boba Fett. And, you know, I know a lot of, you know, you know, I guess like 10 years ago, a lot of people would get their um, their panties in a twist because, oh, no, this, this they're introducing a character and she beats Boba Fett in the first episode. How terrible. But I feel like they did a really good, um, uh, really good job getting her established. And they can't rewind a bit like this is several years ago. So Boba Fett's still a very young pup and, you know, just getting used to the whole working for Boba Fett. Also, she's like a couple hundred years old, so you know. Yeah, which you even, would never even, tell. Even, no, not even at all. if he was like, yeah, even if Boba Fett was like thirty-five, you know, she still has quite a leg up on him yeah. in that regard. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's interesting that you say that, Caleb. Like, I loved how she called Boba pup the whole time. Yeah. I was like, that is great because I bet that if, if she was like any weaker, Boba Fett would have like absolutely knocked the crap out of her because he 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 probably doesn't like that. But that just shows how tough she is. Like you, you don't want to mess with her. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they've already established that she's she's going to make some appearances in the High Republic now, right? You could say that. Yes. yes. Oh, you know you know about that. Okay, I, I've been kind of like dancing around it because well, I know no, you I don't think he knows exactly he where it is. Where well, no, knows. I won't I won't say any specifics. But like when I said, oh, I hope we see her again, I was like, oh, I, I know we see her again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that you know that yet, so I, I was trying to be careful. Well, I, she, I thought she was in like uh, one day, like High Republic, uh, like uh, you'll see. She's, yeah, we'll she, see. She, I was yeah. to say like one day, uh, one of comic series. She's, she one comes of, back uh, around, kids. Good. So. Well, we go from one of the newest bounty hunters to one of the classics? Question mark uh, mm. in 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 for Lom, not for for L O M for Lom. No, it's for L O M. It's for Lom. <laughs> for Lom. As Daniel Jose Older Lom. says, yeah. canon. canonically, I defer to <laughs> canonically. Un- unfortunately, well, I, I defer to well. the genius that is Daniel Jose Older, and it's and and I will say that it is for L O M then. Canon. Well, like, you know, back in the day, the the like action figures were the wrong ones. Like we didn't know which was which until like the nineties. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just going to take the middle path, which may or may not be relevant if you've watched the latest episode of Boba Fett. But the middle path here, I'm going to say Forlom and Zuxus. Uh, issue number one: oh, Zuxus must die. <laughs> Written by. As we've already said his name several times, maybe if we say it one more time, he'll appear. Daniel Jose Older, uh, with art by Kiyazama, released in August 4th of 2021. Uh, this place, this will take place after issue one of the Ward of Bounty Hunters, after Boba Fett has already wrecked Forlom and dropped Zuxus from the uh, spires of Narshada. Uh, we see him, Zuxus, having recovered because drops don't kill people in Star Wars. We know this as a fact. They're not uh, dead until you see him drinking dead. At <laughs> exactly. You know, drinking at a bar, reminiscing about the good old times where he started his partnership with Forlom, uh, hunting the bad droid doctor, Carabiz. But but the head of Forlom finds itself uh, returned to the once dead Dr. Carabiz, who rearms and reprograms the former bounty hunter to kill Zuxus for revenge. 
Um, but tracking down the doctor, Zuxus frees his friend from the control after a giant fight, killing the doctor, but the droid, after regaining his sentience, just runs off. So this one was a kind of a more of the more comedic episodes here. Did you guys like like did you guys feel like you know, that was a, a option here or? I, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think whenever you're going to get uh, something from Dan and Jose, there's, there's always going to be a little bit of humor in there, which I think is cool. I mean, I, you know, he, he's written these characters before in from a certain point of view, um, but I didn't really expect to get such a deep relationship from them. I was I was shocked. Like, um, who knew that they were such close friends i mean you know zuckus he, he was really sad you know to, to miss his friend and i thought that that was uh really fun to see and to, to kind of you know he has like this weird way of uh you know forming sentences and i thought it was just you know the, some humor came from that too from like you know zuckus misses his partner and you know things like that and um yeah i, I really enjoyed seeing their relationship and yeah i felt bad for zuckus i i didn't actually think i would ever feel like any emotions toward him you know no matter what they were uh but but here we are and i think uh that's kind of the genius of what daniel did <laughs> this uh, you know spoiler for the the actual bounty hunter series this came and gave a shirtless suckus this this arc yes. I, I mean the most so important thing that is sexy that, zuckus, that yes. is how this comic <laughs> is 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 ingrained in my head now is i was i was turning the page because i was rereading rereading the 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 trade paperback earlier today and i kept waiting for shirtless zuckus to show up and i was like oh that's right oh. it's not in this one i think that's issue and three now you're disappointed. of the series <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. thirst trap zuckus yep <laughs> who knew we needed it but we did <laughs> <laughs> and here it and here it is. As a and as Emma pointed out, it's probably the most comedic, but also kind of the saddest one because yeah. it really ends on a very downer ending of like, oh boy, this one's great partnership is now maybe forever broken up and we'll never see them together again. Like there's um there's a lot of meat to these bones of like the the duality of these uh, two characters working together. Now I, I'm trying to remember. I don't ever remember in the uh, when because they appear in you know. Uh, you know the episode five together but were they was it really ever established that they were partners like in canon before i don't think so i I don't think so it's just it's always it's always been one of those things that they're that they work together but it's i mean maybe from a certain point of view maybe yeah Yeah. i was like i'm sure it's in some eu material but definitely i don't think it was established in the movie itself no tales of the bounty hunter is where they really got their time to shine because that book gave kind of kind of did this this back in the novel form so that was a collection mm-hmm. of i think seven or eight different different books uh different titles and 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 they got their own chapter and their chapter was together uh jared correct me if i'm wrong i apologize for for if i am wrong but i'm pretty sure that i remember that but uh but yeah between that and you know that's that's where they really were identified as, as partners but i i don't think that they've been mentioned too much in in, in the canon stuff yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I think from a certain point of view, it was definitely one of the first times they really got. Yeah. Well, they were also in some of the the uh, old Star Wars adventures stuff. There was like a, I think a, like a three issue story with them and Han Solo and Chewbacca. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been fun. I, I have to say, just this picture of like souped up uh, Forlom 
like straight up might as well be like a power of the force action figure this is like the <laughs> 90s thing where they take the design of the character mm. like crank it to 11 and they add a bunch of extra parts so it's like more of like you know it's more playable but than just like a, you know, a two-arm two-legged but you figure get them in like six different pieces so you got to buy the whole set in order to, oh in, yeah in, the, in order this is the one where you, yeah you buy all oh, the yeah. bounty hunters yeah. and then you attach all the links yes. together yeah what a throwback <laughs> That's so funny Exactly. So just a quick little side question here. Who, if you could have a choice between your partner, if you could partner up with either Forlum or Zuxus, who would make the better partner for you, do you think? Mm, I think like, I'm going to... On one hand, we could have a cool robot. Right. And we're, having a robot best friend is the best. But also Zuxus would always be able to find your keys. It's true. Yeah, I think it's... Zuckus is the key. Like, how often do I need a murderous robot? <laughs> and, and, and Not very often. And, when we get, and, and we'll get to there, but I, I would argue that there's a better murderous robot in 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 mm. canon. So this is fair. I, I I would have to go with Zuckus. Yes, I I, I need his his telepathy, his his, his finesman yes, abilities. Uh, that, yeah. that would be very useful to me. I would sure, also say Forlo- I would also okay. say Zuckus, but probably for a different reason. Like I think for LOM, he's too like he's too harsh and gruff. I think I need somebody that's a little softer around the edges. And I think I think Zuckus fits the <laughs> bill. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> just, but the robot but i would say just to say that forlom you know he's a robot he but he already works with someone so he already knows the power of friendship we don't That's, have to train yeah. forlom to have the power of friendship in grain that was pre-packaged it's did true. you miss the part where he tried to murder <laughs> zuckus for the entire out. issue that was scrubbed out i mean triple, and then triple ran zero away. triple zero he's not he doesn't have the power of friendship you know but he's, arguably forlom doesn't either i don't know who knows <laughs> So, but if you want to find out how this is resolved, uh, read the Bounty Hunters uh, comic series. All right, Jacob, yes. you've got uh, you had, when, when we were reviewing this, you had mentioned that this next one was uh, was your favorite. So uh, you can have the, my have the honors and give us a rundown of uh, this next title. Yeah, so this is uh, Bausch, uh, written by Alyssa Wong with art by uh, David Baldion. Uh This was released September 15th, 2021, and it's about Bausch and his UB's uh, crew of bounty hunters. So uh, they, him, he and all of his gang are exiles from their home planet, Uba 4, and have to, they're, they're just kind of taking, they're, 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 you know, they're bounty hunters, they're taking missions, uh, and they take one. Uh, from Crimson Dawn to assassinate like the entire uh, head of the Tag family. Uh, so they run into uh, Domina Tag with her, uh, her Proto Saber, which is wild. And uh, turns out that one of the Tags themselves had hired them to take down the whole family. And Domina, of course, uh, wrecks them because she, she, she kicks ass uh, and uh, then hires them back from underneath the Crimson Dawn. So this was my favorite issue. I never thought I would care about these characters. I never knew what I didn't know what Uba Four was. I don't even think I. Well, I, I you know I probably could not have told you Bausch's species before this. I was like it's a, the thing kind of thing where I'd heard it before, but you know I definitely couldn't recall it off the top of my head. And now I love these characters, <laughs> and uh, it was my it was probably my favorite comic book issue that came out all of 2020. So wow, high that's, praise! Yeah, there. I was gonna say that's that's huge right there. Yeah, yeah, this it is, is it is it, it so was, good. It was definitely the sleeper pick of of all of War of the Bounty Hunters. I think. I mean, I, I don't. I think when they announced the lineup, you know, we've got Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, of course. Like <laughs> you know, for for Eleven Zuckus. Yeah, it makes sense. IG eighty eight. 
sure. Vouch? <laughs> like, like what? Like, are we talking about Princess Slay? No, no, no. We're talking about like actually actual Bausch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was absolutely surprised by how much I loved this. Um, and I also really enjoyed how Alyssa Wong kind of tied in some of the current Afro stuff with the Tag family. That was really cool. Because I was kind of wondering at first, I, I, you know, I don't know if maybe she you know, really liked um, Bausch or if she was going to tie it in somehow. Uh, because when the authors were announced, too, I was kind of interested at, uh, at that choice. But she absolutely killed it. Um, and I'd honestly love to see more of this story written by Alyssa Wong. Like, I would actually take that. Like, can, please, 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 can we have that? Because I, I want to know what happens next. Like, do they go back to their... You know, home planet. It, it it didn't really end on like uh you know a super satisfying way in terms of you know Bausch and his people. But um, yeah, it, I was absolutely shocked by how much I enjoyed this. <laughs> like of all the uh, one shots here, I feel like this one has the most meat on its bones. Mm. So I, you know, I feel like we can park here and talk a lot. You know, there's a lot of like really cool things about you know the differences between uh, blood family and found family because mm. Bausch and his hunters are very obviously a bunch of exiles who didn't know each other until they were kicked off their home planet and have come together as some sort of like cohesive unit who legitimately care for everyone in their group. Meanwhile, we have the Tag family, which is just like awful, just the, the <laughs> legitimate kind of like almost prototypical, like dysfunctional, super wealthy, yeah. you know, uh, clawing all over each other family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, we- I totally agree with that. Like, I mean, this definitely showed that um, found family can be stronger than actual family because her, uh, Domina's actual family is a complete mess. And uh, and Bausch's found family is uh, a, a very tight-knit unit. And every time we talk about fa- found family, I just want to gush about Utini. So somebody please stop me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll, we can keep it going. Like, I do want to make one thing. I was quickly looked ahead to the uh, Easter eggs. Like, the Tag family is most known for General Tag from the uh, movies. Mm-hmm. But they also were in the Legend series. Like they like in the in the seventy seventh comic. Like the yep, uh, tag family from there. Yeah, would, like they came from the that sort of legend sort of thing. So, like you, know, she didn't like this. Is like something that's been around in the back end of canon for a while, and it's really cool that it's seen like a different edge on light. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really liked about this series is how this sounds bad, but I'm going to say it. How little it ties into the rest of the war bounty hunters. That's hunters not bad. Story. I agree with it. No, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it, it like as I said I, last time we were talking about like the whole series is when I was reading like through each series and I got to the Afra stuff. It was almost like a like a refresher course because it was tangentially related to everything and still doing its own thing. So Alyssa Wong has done a really good job of like giving us a palate cleanser between all these other elements that are going around in the series. Jacob, if I remember correctly. Didn't didn't Jared say that the proto savers that they were that isn't that a legend isn't that a legends poll? It's it's an Easter eggs. We'll get okay, to it. Okay. But yes, it is it is a legends poll. Yeah, so that's always that's always fun to see to see things that are are pulled deep from the vault and brought brought back into canon. Um, but yeah, you know, it was uh, it it was an interesting story. You know, because and, and I agree. I would say, you know, we we said that the that that. For LOM and Zuckus was was the most comedic and saddest. Would you say uh, that this was probably the most emotional of, of of at least these one shots, if not maybe the entire you know the entire um, event? I would say so. I mean, like like uh, 
there there's definitely some there's a little bit of underlying emotion in, in Zuckus's like quest to get four Lom back. IG88 is like very cold by design. And then I don't know, I like I think I, I didn't really get like any like deep emotions from the job of the hut. <laughs> shit your issue i feel like that's just more of like a i don't know i feel like that's just like bounty hunters doing bounty hunters right. thing it's just cool like, it's just it's just cool sort of thing now one quick thing i want to say i don't have it in the notes but i feel like we should talk about this more i feel like this one also had the best art of the series of these four it was issues. very different yeah. i i enjoyed it yeah i mean the other ones i i couldn't really differentiate the other art from the main or the bounty hunters but this one definitely had its own look to it and i i really enjoyed that it might also be be because you know the obese people are kind of you know they they look different than anything that we've seen so far and so that brings its own uniqueness to it so yeah i i really did uh, the art was one of the highlights of this one I liked yeah. I liked I also th- the art of Jabba because I I mm. I could tell when they were going back and forth between the two timelines based on the mm. art and so I I always appreciate yeah. changing the art style within a book like that to to tell different times but the this is like I don't want to say class this is classic canon look to me in the sense of mm. the characters are sharp the 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 the, the shadows are are, are are deep and and it really accentuates the character. Uh, I, I mean this this shot that we've got up that on on screen. I mean this this looks. I I could say that this was coming from you know mainline twenty you know twenty sixteen you know or when uh, when we were really deep into the the Obi Wan sort of and Tatooine mm. parts of uh. of uh, of of that that arc. So yeah, this definitely feels at home for canon Star Wars art to me. Exactly. And like Dominique, uh, who had a lot of uh, scenes here, like they're not humans and especially her isn't she wasn't drawn to a photorealistic sort of uh, thing, but almost very cartoony, which gave her a lot more expression. And I feel like they use like her expressions a lot more clearly. Like I can still see like various like faces she was pulling in that series as it like came through it. And they could definitely read her rolling her eyes a very dramatically. And it felt very um it, like it was t- helping the story along in a very real form. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, like one of the things that made the art of this so different is especially is Domino because we have a touchstone. We have a lot of Domino art from from Miku Jung in the Afro series, so we know what she looks like. And this is just uh, it's different, and it's not not. I think it's it's well, it is good. It's not bad or good in comparison to the other one. It's just so different that it it does catch your eye a little bit differently than the you know Afro series where we see her so much. Mm-hmm. So some more quick uh, actual story elements here. One thing I thought was interesting is that um, well, for two things, uh, one. Crimson Dawn orders the exiles, the Ubis, to kill everyone on the uh, the Take family. But when we get there, we you know they're starting to try to shoot up the uh, the council room, and one of them runs out and says, "Dude, I'm the one who hired you. Like you're, I told you not to shoot to shoot everyone but me." So there was obviously like a disconnect. So he obviously contacted Crimson Dawn. Silas did, and then Crimson Dawn said, "Yeah, just um, here's use these access codes and just kill everyone." So Crimson Dawn is definitely playing both sides here kind of yeah but also i mean how easy would it be for somebody else in the family to say i hired you don't kill me like how would they know (laughs) (laughs) 
like right. you know, that that is kind of the uh, sort of thing of I, I no I was the one who hired you and, and speaking of like hiring and things like that at the end Bosch willingly sells out Crimson Dawn and mm-hmm. so far that I seems did? to be like <laughs> hmm? oh <laughs> <laughs> I get it you said you said yeah. Bosch that's my name so I, exactly. I said I did you did you did yeah, but you know, he's they have been the only ones to like renege on a deal with crimson dawn it always seems to be the other way around like it seems like crimson dawn has allies everywhere and they suddenly like pull out people from their hats like oh i was actually an agent all along like this is the first time we see someone like who worked for crimson dawn betraying them do you think this yeah. is like is this something that we will see more of that you think or uh, is this like a specialty thing i'm trying to put this in a way i, I could talk about it more but i end up spoiling things from this last episode of, or issue of crimson rain i just think the the kira and crimson dawn know how to pull everyone's strings in the right way um for for Bausch and his crew, they gave them money, which you know that's how you work you work with bounty hunters. But Domino Tag had a string that basically no one else in the galaxy has access to, and that's the ability to bring them back to Uba Four. Like they, they talk about an issue where it's like once you're exiled, like we the our our culture wipes you off the map. Yeah. They delete your name. Like they like you have no chance. You can't even get back down to the planet. And if you did, you would still be like ostracized from everyone there. But she tells she gives them the promise that she can get them back there, uh, and that's the same case not just with Bausch, but with everyone on the crew. Like they're all exiles, so you know she's literally the only one in the galaxy that could probably do this for them. So yeah, of course she's gonna. They're going to give that up. You saw we saw like in the cantina how much their planet means to them, right. and the ability to go back uh, is you know incredibly powerful. I also kind of wonder if, um, you know, everybody else seems extremely scared of Crimson Dawn, and I kind of wonder how much. Um, Bausch and and his uh, team there. I, I wonder how much they actually know about Crimson Dawn. Like, do they keep up with the galactic happenings? Like, are they you know privy to the information that's you know going on in the underworld? Like, what do they know about them? Because they didn't really seem super scared of Crimson Dawn. But I mean, if if I knew everything that they did, I'd be terrified of them. Which is exactly why people you know don't go back on deals with them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, like, to revisit that question at the end of Crimson Rain, and and I know that's yeah. kind of a, that's kind of a cop out, but like, they went away for a reason, and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. that they they they've they've come back, and not only not only have have they come back, but they seem to have a lot of influence. So mm-hmm. the, it's I, I it's it'll be interesting to see what influence they have, and and to. I don't know if we if, if we're even going to get it, but what influence they had in order to get uh, um, Bausch and, and you know and his crew to sign up to begin with, and then whether or not that really pays you know pays off, and and, and the fact that they've said you know what forget you, uh, if that actually has a way of coming back, because I don't I don't know I don't get the feeling you know that that's the kind of organization that they have that there is no it's not Black Sun where if you cross us. We will, you know, wipe you and your entire, you know, family off, off the, you know, out of the galaxy. I think that this is more of a, well, and fine. You don't serve our purpose anymore. We have a greater goal in 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 mind, and you're just not going to be a part of it. And so it, it it'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, and, le- and I also kind of wonder, like, um, how like is Domina bluffing? Like how how is she able to promise them that she'd be able to get them back to Uba 4 and be able to get their lives back? Like how, how is she able to promise that? How do they believe them or her? 
Well, I was about to say, like, I think the pudding will be, uh, the proof of the pudding will be in the, uh, the Aphra series. Because yeah. Kev, she is pulling strings with Dr. Aphra right now. And we haven't se- seen her necessarily betray any of the trust or any things that she has said to Aphra. But she's definitely not been forthcoming. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how she treats Aphra, essentially to see how, uh, how our boy is going to get out of this. And here's the, the, the terrible fact of Mary is, like, somehow Leia gets that armor. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. true. Yeah, I mean, we see, you know, we we see Leia get it in uh, like Forces of Destiny. Forces of Destiny. But uh, yeah. but like, but like, what ha- what happened to Bausch? Like, you know, we, I think we need to know that. I I honestly think that that's why they brought this character into War of the Bounty Hunters to like, to you know, set our brains up for saying like, okay, I need to know what happens with this character, and and I hope that we do. I, th- I think it's a story that is best told in the comics, honestly. Right. It's interesting now that you bring that up because they talk in the comic books like we have to wear this armor because we're exiles. Yeah. So what happens to an exile when they lose their armor? Or what happens? What What if you're not exiled anymore? I, 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 I mean, hopefully. I, I mean, we, we, we have we know that they don't that they don't you know, or that he doesn't need the armor anymore that because Leia has it. We we have a, a cookie or a breadcrumb that. Domino is going to try to get them back onto their planet and, and, and out of exile. We all thought, I mean, for the longest time, I always thought that that he met up, you know, Leia came about it between, you know, by, by some foul means. But maybe it was, uh, you know, it's a it's a much different story. But uh, uh, Emma, I, I think you're onto something. The fact that the mainline story is where it is in the timeline and the fact that this character was brought back now. I don't think it's a coincidence, and I do think that we will see see that paid off before before we get too far before this 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 current line uh, jumps till after you know after Return of the Jedi. So now here, so quick quick bets time. When will they show back up? Will it, or where will it? Will it be in the uh, will it be in the after series? Will it be in Crimson Dawn, or will it be a twenty in the Star Wars? I mean, I think Afro is like the the most logical choice. The most logical choice, yeah. But as I said, like I, this is a perfect sort of thing to tell in the Star Wars twenty twenty. I was just, run can I say both that armor? Will you? Will you? Accept, I was going to say which first. I was going to say something completely first? different than you guys. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Crimson Rain or, or or one of whatever comes after Crimson Rain. Ooh, uh, the oh, Hidden Empire. Yeah. Hidden Empire. Okay. Yeah, because because right. I feel like I feel like okay, like they're in this, uh, you know quote-unquote Kira trilogy excuse me Kira trilogy why, why not like why you know what it what is uh because because theoretically that'll be closer to uh return of the jedi theoretically you know even if it's by you know a couple months or whatever um we could theoretically see how how Bausch you know loses that armor yeah i i i i Get a feeling. I have a strong feeling that we are going to see the end of this story between before all is said and done but uh, but for now, let's go ahead and Emma. Why don't you go ahead and give a synopsis of our last title in this in in, in this com- companion? Yeah, absolutely. So the last one is uh, the IG eighty eight one shot called Born to Kill. It was written by Rodney Barnes with art by Jui Villanova. Uh, it was released on October twenty seventh, twenty twenty one, which was uh, realistically only a few months ago, which is weird. <laughs> 
Um, so this one, uh, after IG-88 was defeated by Darth Vader, his body was dropped off in a junkyard, only to be tracked down by a cyborg employed by Crimson Dawn, whose task was to rebuild IG-88. After booting up, IG kills the cyborg. He contacts Diva Lompomp and uh, tracks down Boba Fett to try to win back Boba one last time before he delivers Han Solo. Oh. Uh, Boba does keep his advantage uh, and triumphs, but he does not actually kill IG-88. Uh, he left without a directive. Uh, IG-88 returns to the junkyard and contemplates his upgrade path, a.k.a. he has an existential crisis. <laughs> so, um, don't we all? What was that? I was like, don't we all? <laughs> yes, don't we all? Especially this time of year, am I right? Um, all right, so... Uh, this comic directly tied into the Darth Vader 2020 series, uh, which is one of the few ways that Vader was tied into the project, besides like having his main line be in part of War of the Bounty Hunters and Vader actually being part of the War of the Bounty Hunters event. Uh, so why do you think, this is the big question that I had coming out of reading this, why do you think Boba Fett did not kill IG-88? Because as of, you know, after Empire, we don't really... That's not really in Boba's character yet to spare someone like that, especially a rival like IG-88. So what do you think his motive was? I think that he didn't have one. I, I, I think prior to this you know, book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett was very much a eyes on the target sort of, of character. And, mm -hmm. and he doesn't – he's a very ruthless bounty hunter. But part of his MO is there's no collateral. There's no – he if 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 he has target A, target A is is is, is what he's going after, and there's not he's you know not going to waste his time, you know going after anybody else. And I think as 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 much of an adversary as that IG88 was, there's no reason for Boba to kill him. So he's not, that's he has this sort of weird personal code, and and I think that mm -hmm. unless there's a target, unless there's a reason for him to kill him beyond just survive you know his own survival, I just don't think that that's that's he's he's interested. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, I feel like, yeah, his, you know, his mission is over. He's like been through a lot in this in this past uh, just story as a whole and just kind of probably ready to move on at this point and at least like reassess what he wants to do next. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it makes sense. Yeah, a bit like also IG-88 is a droid, so he's effectively immortal. He could be rebuilt several times over so maybe one thing that Boba Fett doesn't want to do is potentially you know kill a, a bounty hunter that might come back and hold a grudge against him that's true that's so, true you know, like you know. that's that's a great point and you know something that isn't in our notes but is something that I I was I've been kind of thinking about what do you guys think of the idea of a droid having an existential crisis like do you think that's something that is like plausible to happen to droids do you think it's something that's really silly that was just made up for this this issue or i know this is kind of a deep question you know talking about existential crises and things like that but i don't know what do you what are you guys thoughts on this uh, droids have long been established as being uh less like mechanically minded and much more human yeah. and emotional than most like than like you know something like a star trek or something else that's really trying to do like artificial consciousness mm -hmm. droids are essentially like they have their their brains are essentially humanoid they have a lot of like consciousness unless you're like a battle droid that's run by a single processor 
Um, so I think it's it's not unusual. Like when I saw this and when I read this, like a droid having an existential crisis after being destroyed by a giant unkillable space wizard when you thought you had the cards stacked against uh, in your favor, that makes a lot of sense. You know, he's, you know, IG-88 is kind of one of the more mechanically minded as droids go. Mm -hmm. He's very methodical, but as I said, like, the numbers didn't add up. You know, he added everything to 100% chance of uh, winning here, but Vader goes gives 200%. So, like, you couldn't calculate for the force. So I think that's uh, so I think, you know, having a crisis of like internal processing faith is not unusual for droids in star wars and i think that while i mean 3po's never had an existential crisis per se but he's almost had a nervous breakdown i, I i've lost track so <laughs> yeah. every, I mean, yeah. he has crises they're not necessarily <laughs> right. of the existential so, variety you know yeah. I, I, I like it. Uh, you know, Jared in the, Jared's in the chat and he's saying that droids having ex- existential crisis is one of his favorite Star Wars tropes. And I I yeah. am all for droids. I like the context of droids' humanity. Uh, I, I I enjoy just that general discussion. And, and, and so I, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite tropes like Jared did, but I enjoy it. So I, I was really on board with, 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 with this whole – turn of events for 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 88 yeah it's like for me i think if you ask me this question like could you see a droid having a serious existential crisis because like existential crisis is a joke for a droid i feel like it's very on par for star wars mm-hmm. or just you know sci-fi in general yeah. but if you ask me if they could have a serious one i would say probably no if you asked me before 2018 but after like <laughs> solo and l3 yeah being yeah. a thing i'm yeah. like oh yeah at this point Good it's like point. all right yeah sure whatever like a droid can do uh, like droid can do whatever they want as far as i'm concerned yeah so. if a droid can like build themselves they could probably have an existential crisis so <laughs> yeah 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 that's a that's a great point yeah i was i mean this ig88 issue was a little underwhelming to me but it definitely made me think a lot about you know more about existential crises than I think I wanted to, you know. Um, <laughs> so and isn't that part of art? Is trying to make uh, us yes. think beyond ourselves. Be sad. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hashtag so, art. So I think we've we've all talked about tonight how these issues have worked in their own in in their name in 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 a one shot mm-hmm. sort of sort of mentality, and some of them are stronger than others. And, and but if we take a step back. This what these were one shots for War of the Bounty Hunters for this 32 issue seven month or however however many however long it was event. In that context, do these as a whole or maybe one or you know one as an individual do these work for this event? And I'm going to start with Jacob. I would say. As a whole, uh, maybe not. I think like individually, some of them do, and some of them don't, or on varying degrees. Um, I'm I'm not gonna like pick and choose, but you know, I I, th- I think everyone probably has like a you know, uh, this this issue worked very good, and this like actually like fit narratively. And that's not to say I didn't like them all. I just think some of them, you know, some of them you know functioned out like didn't need the context, the framing of the event. So yeah, I, I think. Yeah, they're all good. I, I enjoyed them all. I don't think they were all crucial to the story. Um, so, yeah. Okay. It's kind of where I fall. All right. 
Caleb, I'm going to come to you. What, how how do you think that these worked as a you know as part of the War of the Bounty Hunter event? I think they worked great. Um, I'm going to be a lot more positive here than Jacob. I think the biggest thing that I really, really, really liked about all this was we got to see all the rest of the bounty hunters and it, like trying to fit Bosch and you know, IG88 and everyone like trying to get them all into the mainline series would have been a bit much. But by having like individual issues, we can have some of these side characters have uh, more fleshed out sort of things. It really made the title of War of the Bounty Hunters fall into play a lot more directly. So I liked how they this uh, I really like one shots. I really like when a artist can take a single issue and try to make it one big story out of it or one small story out of it and you know spin a different sort of tale so having this like individualized storytelling was great we got to expand out the universe a lot more and see a lot more different facets like each one of these four sort of uh, stories was telling a completely different story almost so i was really happy with all these uh smaller one shots all right interesting take emma i'm gonna come to you next yeah, um, I think um, I think I was expecting more from the tie-ins. Now, the tie-ins, uh, like taken at face value on their own, aside from being part of this gigantic event, were great. Like they told great stories in a compact amount of of pages there. So I think that that taken on its own is great. In terms of the larger story of War of the Bounty Hunters, I think that these are like not necessary at all, honestly. Maybe except for for, for LOM and Zuckus. Um, maybe. I, I, but it kind of left me scratching my head why, you know, we introduced a new character in Deva when she didn't show up in the main series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so glad that we got her because I, I love her as a character. I mean, you know seeing her in other things now has is, is, is been cool. Um, so I'm happy about that, but I'm kind of wondering, was this the place to do it? Um, to have her show up in one issue for the most part and then scattered in a couple of the other tie-ins. Um, but again, like I said, overall, these taken on their own are great stories if you want something that's quick. I don't think... If you want the story of War of the Bounty Hunters, I truly don't think you need these if you're going minimalist. I just... I just don't. Um, you know, if you want some good stories that are about bounty hunters that are adjacent to this time frame, this story in this time frame, I think these are, are the stories uh, for you. But when when we're talking about a companion piece, this is not what I had in mind. And I think that's okay. That also might be like a, a manager expectations type of thing as well. So that, that one might be on me. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I'm... Falling on that side of the aisle as well in that mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest issues for me with this one was it's kind of summed up with in the, in the job of the hut issue in that at the end of that in the end of that issue, he gets the invitation to go to the auction. But mm-hmm. that is technically the 15th issue. If you include the preludes. That, mm-hmm. that that go into that that lead into War of the Bounty Hunters number one. This is the fifteenth issue of this arc. And like yeah. we we're past that. So it like I remember vividly that was that kind of took me out of it. Cause it's like, oh, well, why is he why is he getting an invitation now when we've already seen that this is that this event is happening? Um the the I, I enjoyed the Bausch, you know, story, but there it's it's 
very you could remove the the connection to Crimson Dawn and still have a very very solid story and actually it's probably the better part of the story that you still have there. So yeah. I, I I don't I'm I agree with you in that if you want to know what War the Bounty Hunter is, it you 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 don't need this. And and, and I mm-hmm. sort of of tie this to um, since we are a week later, I will sort of tie this to uh, last week's episode of uh, Book of Boba Fett into where okay, you know what we're we're world building. You know we 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 took a one, a one episode detour and we world built uh, around the main story. And I kind of sort of mm-hmm. see this in that similar light. Yeah. I just I'm hoping that Book of Boba Fett lands it land you know hits the landing a little bit harder because. These didn't tie back. Like, we got a late start. Mm-hmm. They were individual stories, and then they never really came back to the main story. So, it, yeah, it, they were great stories, and I love them. And it le- and and that leads me to my next question: of you know, what was our favorites in that? If we could only choose one of these stories to get its own miniseries, which one would it be? And for me, it's it, – I'm going to go right back to – I'll go ahead and start this one off and I'll go right back to the book that I was talking about. And that's the Jabba book. But I don't want a Jabba yeah. story. I want a Davis story. And I want either yes. – let's let's either go back to to the original where she she is coming off of the um, her, her mission with Boba or figuring out why she has a debt to Jabba. But that's what I want. Like I, I love that character and I love that story. And and I want to see more of that come you know come through in, with its own unrelated to everything else sort of sort of miniseries. So that was my favorite in that in, in that context of um, this is the one that I want to see you know have have another storyline have a finished storyline afterwards. I'll go back. We'll, we'll do this in reverse order. So I'm going to go back to Emma now. And and which one yeah. would you like to see as its own uh, as its own miniseries? Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say, actually. The one with, with, with Deva, and specifically written by Justina Ireland, because I think she does a great yeah. job writing her character. And I actually, I go back to, I, I wish I mentioned this when we were talking about Jabba the Hutt, so I'm sorry if I'm going backwards a little bit here, but um, when uh, when she was on Nar Shadda, uh, and there was this, uh, I don't remember the species name, you know, Kit Fisto dude, yeah. uh, kind of like... Nemordian. Yeah, uh, no. No, 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 not Nemoidian. Uh, it starts with an N. Nautilin. Nautilin. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, this, like, Nautilin guy, like, trying to hit on her, and then, uh, you know, she kind of, like, plays into it a little bit, and then, uh, and then just, like, shoots him. I love that. That was amazing. <laughs> that was so, so good. Like, I want to see more of that. I want, I want, like, a, a whole miniseries showing, like what you said, Tyler, how did she get her, her debt to Jabba? But also, I just want to see her kick more ass. Like, it's just so much fun. <laughs> yeah, she's a fun character. And hopefully, hopefully yeah. we'll see a lot more of her. All right, Caleb, wh- what about you? Which one are you? would you want to see as, a, as its own miniseries? Like, I I feel like pretty much all of these are already going to be followed up on. So I'll take the Dark Horse. I don't think I was thinking about this when I first saw the issue or saw this question asked. But I'm going to say I would like to see... IG eighty eight story continue. Oh, I would like I would like to see more depressed boy uh, <laughs> philosophy. Sad boy IG up at be- and yeah, just sad boy IG staring out at beautiful um, you know, nebulas in space. You know, talking about the meaning of life. Like I could probably I could give it like three more issues before I could put that down. Just some real like deep dive onto like the whole like you know human condition self improvement sort of thing. 
<laughs> I can suddenly see an arc where he starts listening to the Joe Rogan podcast too much. Like, oh boy. Oh no. Oh yes. Like, yeah, I, I want to see him like, you know, gr- try to like do a lot of like self-help and self-growth sort of things. Like, I think that would be, I think that could be a lot of fun is seeing like a droid try to, gr- a droid trying to grow. I think could be a a lot of like existential dread fun. Yeah. It reminds me like of that gif of the man staring out the window, like like trying to figure out his life. That's what it reminds me of. Like can mm. can we get like a- an issue of IG just staring out windows and contemplating his life? <laughs> That's <laughs> you know what? Your 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 pitch has sold me. I would I would read that. I would absolutely read that. <laughs> All right, Jacob, let's let, let's finish off this segment with your favorite. I have a feeling I know where you're gonna go, but but uh, which which one are you gonna choose? It's a tough choice, but no. Uh, before I say what I will choose, well, I'm not going to choose Forlom and Zuckus, and that's not because none of us chose that, and that's not because we didn't like it. It's because the story is literally being told right now in Bounty <laughs> Hunters, so there is no need. Yes, there is no need uh, for us to to pick that one. Uh, but yes, I will pick Bausch. I want to see where this goes. I am hoping that it does come up in Afra. Or maybe Crimson Rain, but I, I I want Alyssa Wong to write it, so I'm I'm crossing my fingers for Afra telling the story. Um, so yes, I want to see you know what does Uba Four look like? How how do we get back there? Like I, I want to get the emotional payoff of of these characters that I have never cared about before, <laughs> like five months ago. Uh, you know, come home. So yes, I I will definitely pick Bausch. Well, yes, please. And we uh, need the most important question answered, which is. What do they look like under those helmets? Yes, yeah. yes. I, 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 w- I wouldn't be shocked to go the entire. If, if you know, let's say like, hypothetically we get the story, I would not be shocked for us to somehow go the entire way, and then them still not show us what they look oh, like. Oh yeah, that seems like something they do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we. I guess I guess Bausch is older, but like I mean, we don't know what Master Chief looks like under the helmet. It's been twenty two years or twenty years, so it's true. I mean, I can Google the you know the TV actor's name on Google, but that's about as close as we're gonna get. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. That, that's not that's not even the real canon. That's the silver timeline. I know. I know. It's crazy. Uh, so. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, just like this is a roundtable, and just like all of our roundtables, Jacob has. Um, done his deep dive into the Easter eggs of these four books. So, Jacob, go ahead and, and wow us with all of your your, your amazing facts here. Mm. So, the first one's actually pretty fun for some for us up-to-date-ish High Republic readers. Uh, I noticed this on my read-through. Uh, when Deva takes the phone call for, for from Jabba, she's on Dalna. Or, sorry, not on Dalna, but in the Dalnan sector. So, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't notice uh, that my first time around, but I, I noticed it this either. time. Yep. Uh, so then when uh, they go to uh, fight the guy, they go to Mos uh, Intha, which is a, uh, a a Tatooine village mentioned first in Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, there where they talk about how some Soikens were working from the, with the Huts. And Soikens are not a often mentioned species. Uh, they're most known for uh, Velko Jahan from the Star Wars Insider uh, High Republic stories as well as some of the more recent comics and story books. Uh then uh, Jarm, her ex-boyfriend, was running missions on Neral's moon, which is first mentioned in the uh, book Lando's Luck. Uh, and these were all from the Jabba issue in IG-88. Uh, oh, that's not IG-88. That's Forlom and Zuckus. Uh, uh, they are a robot. 
Yeah, uh, they run into a crew uh, on Narshada, which is Cham Cham species from High Republic Adventures. Oh, I thought a little, so. Uh, bat slash pig slash chihuahua <laughs> thing. Uh, and Zuckus is going through Worm Stew Town, which is Sana Staros' hometown. That's interesting. Uh, wow. The, yeah, the dewback rider that delivers Forlom's head uh, is Sardis uh, Ramson, who uh, first appeared in Daniel Jose Older's story and from a certain point of view. Uh, he's a uh, former stormtrooper. Then uh, in the Bausch uh, issue, the Ubi's homeworld, Uba 4, is first mentioned. This is the first time it's ever been mentioned in canon, but it was originally created in the Shadows of the Empire source book. We can never escape oh, that. Our, as our good old friend, too. Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see Domina testing out the tag Protoblade, which is a reference to the Proto Saber, first in Tales of the Jedi. Oh. Um, then uh, Domina references trying to sell it to the Imperial troops. It's not like an explicit reference, but I'm going to take it as an Easter egg referring to the old Macquarie concept art where like everyone has uh, a lightsaber, including stormtroopers. Um, I can see that. So, and then the only one I really saw in IG-88 was, um, it shows like some like little like screens of Boba Fett throughout his life. And yeah. one of them is his like armor from Clone Wars season four when they're on like the train heist oh, episode. Oh, yeah. With like uh, where they're like trying to kidnap the princess or whatever with. Uh, oh, yeah. Ventress. Um, Ventress yeah. and everyone. I was like, because I like to look at him like that must be some like obscure old Cl- uh, like legends thing, but I couldn't find him. Like, uh, I scroll, I was like just scrolling through his Wikipedia legends uh, page, hoping I'd find a picture. And yeah, it's from uh, Clone Wars. Interesting, cool. great stuff as always, man. Yes, thank you for your your research. And uh, so, so this week, uh, you know, we've talked about War of the Bounty Hunters. It seems like a lot. And uh, this is the last time we are t- going to be talking about this for a little bit. But this is not the last time we are going to be talking about bounty hunters in general. Because next week, in honor of the end of the Book of Boba Fett show, we will be talking about Boba Fett's history throughout Star Wars comics. So when you are able to, once you've watched the end of that episode and you've got a little bit of time to see what else he, your, our favorite bounty hunter has been up to, make sure you check us out next week. But until then... That is going to do it for this week's episode of The Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube where you can hear us live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to subscribe to our audio version on whatever podcast platforms you are listening to. Be sure to also visit utini.com for reviews, articles, and news for the entire expanded universe. And we also encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. And you can also help support the show by heading to patreon.com slash utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to JG Kars, OK Endar, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sanderon, Earl Q on our Jedi High Council, as well as Matt Billington, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. Thank you all again for your amazing support. Don't forget, you can tweet the show at Cosmic Force Show or at the host individually. I'm at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek. And Jacob is at Jacob Bosch. Thanks again to my co hosts, Emma, Caleb, and Jacob, for hosting with me. A special thank you to those of you who joined us live in the chat and to all of our listeners for joining us wherever and whenever you are. We truly appreciate you. We will be back here next week, but until then, may the Force be with you. Thank you.